You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, Alana Levine here. Together with Sam Mayer, I host How to Be More Chill, a podcast devoted to our beloved musical, Be More Chill. Listen, I just want to tell you that if you're around the weekend of January 25th, go to BroadwayCon. All of the fabulous podcasts that are part of the Broadway Podcast Network are going to be there live, interviewing your favorite stars, and BroadwayCon is just a blast. So get yourself to BroadwayCon, find the Broadway Podcast Network events, and if you love Broadway, you're going to love this weekend. Or pretend to check a text on my phone. Welcome to How to Be More Chill version 3.0. This is Sam. This is Alana. And our first three episodes of How to Be More Chill were the story of how Be More Chill got to Broadway with Joe Iconis and George Salazar and Jennifer Ashley Tepper and Will Rowland and Joe Trace telling us that story. Version 2.0 was really uh, the experience of being on Broadway. Jason Tam, Lauren Marcus, Stephanie Hsu came on and really took us backstage behind the scenes, a day in the life of starring on Be More Chill on Broadway. And now we are dealing with How to Be More Chill 3.0, which is this time after a six month blockbuster run on Broadway leading up to. Dun, dun, dun. Be More Chill is going to London. Off West End, February 2020. So we wanted to have some episodes in this interim period with some of the people involved with the Off-Broadway and Broadway production sort of looking back and talking about their experience on the show. And then we're going to get some people involved with the London production and get their take on how their life is about to change forever. Truly. I mean, the thing that's so exciting, Sam and I talk about this all the time, this show is for the fans. Everything that happens to be more chill is because of the fans. And the fact that now people who live in Europe and all over the world, maybe getting to New York was hard, but maybe getting to London will be a little easier. If you're in Austria, it might be a little easier. If you're in if you want to go, If you want to go through the channel, mm-hmm. you can get there that way. Whatever you uh, think is the easiest way and the most economical to get to London, look into it now. Thanks for joining us for version 3.0 of How to Be More Chill. Welcome to Super Quantum Unit Intel Processor. You square. Episode 10 is with a cutie patootie toot toots, Mike Rosengarden. <laughs> Hashtag cutie, cutie patootie toots toots. Okay. Just the cutiest cutie ever. Wow. I am obsessed with Mike Rosengarden. He's the guitarist for Be More Chill and is currently the guitarist for The Lightning Thief, yep. the Percy Jackson musical on Broadway. Incredible. So if I don't say so myself, I feel like he's sort of the, the epicenter of cool, young, hip Broadway musicals of 2019. Yeah, yeah. Amazingly talented guitarist. Amazingly talented. Not just really cute, but all equally talented. Mm-hmm. We can lead with uh, talented, talented 
talented. Mm-hmm. The guy behind all those riffs that yeah. you hear and love and, and, and spark so much joy and emotion in us, they're coming from his guitar through yep. his musical abilities. And it's going to be incredible to just hear his perspective because the band is, you know, just a huge key character in any musical, especially Be More Chill. I'm really curious, actually, to find out how soon in the rehearsal process the band is there, mm-hmm. as opposed to just the pianist kind of plunking out the, the melody and the tunes for them. So that's going to be very cool. And we'll find out, but I think he was even the guitarist at True River. Yes. Uh, or at the very least, very involved in Iconist Family and very deep in, in Be More Chill musical land. Yes. And now the Lightning Thief as well. So, cutie patoot toots, Mike Rosengarten, let's do this. Mike Rosengarten. He's here in the booth. Am I correct that you just came from a lightning thief matinee? I ran here as fast as I could. (laughs) We are very grateful, as are the listeners. Hermes himself carried you from 47? You see my shoes? I've got wings on them. Look at those. Awesome. All the way over to Grand Central. I ran right past the Lyceum. Oh. Yep. You did a loop. I did. did. And guys, if you're unclear, look up your Greek mythology and you'll understand the Hermes reference. You know another good way to know who Hermes is? Go see Percy Jackson, the lightning thief Uh, on Broadway. Good good answer. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I like that. That's how I like to study mythology, through musical theater. Sam, (laughs) we love you for that. (laughs) So, Mike, your instrument of choice and fame is the... Guitar, usually. Is there a specific guitar that you bring with you, for example, to work when you were doing a little show called Be More Chill? Oh, absolutely. So I it, it depends on what the music is, what show it is. I have uh, so many guitars that I love so dearly, and every one of them means something different to me. Uh, and they all do different things. They sound different. They, they're used for different styles of music. Uh, they take up tons of room in my tiny apartment. Uh, my wife keeps trying to get me to sell them, but I won't. Um, and the one that I used on Be More Chill, uh, was actually a really cool guitar. I built it, uh, by myself because I, it, I, it's a Strat. First of all, it's a Fender Stratocaster, which is a classic guitar used on so many different records by so many different amazing guitar players. It's almost like that guitar that if you tell someone to draw an electric guitar and they don't know anything about guitars, they probably draw a Strat because it's ubiquitous. Um, but I wanted one with some uh, kind of specific features for Be More Chill. Uh, it's a rock show, so I wanted a certain kind of uh, guitar pickup, which is like the microphones that pick up the vibration of the strings. Um, so I put a very specific pickup in there, and uh, I hadn't found a Strat that I love that had a really good chunky neck, like a, like a nice thick neck. Uh, and also it's pink. I don't know. I wanted a pink one for Be More Chill. I was going to say, I think it's pink. <laughs> <clears throat> Shell pink. I saw you carrying around that pink. Yeah, it's like a, it's a like a pastel pink, not too, not like neon pink. It's like a nice. Because it was, it was kind of pink. you couldn't really see it from the audience because mm-hmm. you were down a little bit. It's blocked by a music stand, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we just saw your cute little face popping up there and smiling <laughs> and playing the guitar. Should we should we tell him how you described him in the intro? Sure, you can. I think it was cutie patootie patootie. <laughs> Cutie oh. patootie cute cutes. Well, cute shucks. Cutes. That's right. Wait, cutie patootie cute cutes. Mm-hmm. That's why I was pitching my cheeks, Sam. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, let's go back in time a little bit yeah. uh, to how you 
became a part of not just Be More Chill, but Joe Iconis and family, Okay, um, which probably led to the Be More Chill of it all. You could say that, yeah. So I first joined the Iconis family in, uh, I think it was 2010. Um, and it, it's kind of a funny story. I was playing guitar at a one-year-old's Lady Gaga-themed birthday party on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, and who was playing piano was Rob Rokicki, composer of The Lightning Thief. Uh, yeah, you know, it was, a, it was, you never know what's going to happen from any gig. And we had a great time. We ate some cake, you know, some Cheetos. We sang some Lady Gaga songs <laughs> for a one-year-old and all of their friends. And uh, a couple months later, Rob, I had seen him a couple times since then, and he, Joe, I guess, needed a guitar player for his, I don't know what year it was, what, what number, but it was one of the Christmas extravaganzas, which happens every year. Yep. And uh, he recommended me, and I and I signed on to do it, and I have been drinking the Kool-Aid ever since. You know, I it was one of the greatest shows I'd ever done. Just the Christmas show is so much fun. And uh, I, I'm a Jewish person, so <laughs> as, like, someone who's never really felt that Christmas joy before, it was the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. And since then, I have celebrated some Christmases, and I... I still think the Christmas show is better. <laughs> I do it every year. Um, and what was the first time you remember Be More Chill being either said to you or brought into your life? Oh, well, so I don't just do the uh, Iconist Christmas shows. I try and do every Iconist show I possibly can. Every time you ask me to collaborate with them in the, in the Iconist family, I say yes all the time. So we do these concerts. Uh, it had to be a concert somewhere around 2014, I think, uh, probably at 54 Below. And uh, so we just, at those concerts, we do songs that Joe has written for regular people. They're not just always musical theater songs. Sometimes it's songs that he's working on, songs from new theater or just standalone songs. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure it was Michael in the bathroom that he brought in for this concert. And we were in rehearsal uh, for this show. And he said, hey, I've got this song from, you know, this new musical I'm writing. It's kind of a weird sci-fi thing about teenagers. And here's the song, Michael in the Bathroom. And I think Seth Elliser sang it the first time that I played it. Um, so, yeah, that was the first time I ever heard any kind of Be More Chill music. What was your reaction to that song? Do you recall? Oh, my God, it, I loved it instantly. I was like, this is a show that I need to be a part of as soon as, you know, anything happens with it. Um, I mean, it's so funny, and who hasn't been there, you know? Even in its earliest stages, I don't know how much of the song has changed, mm -hmm. probably a, a, a little bit since that first time I heard it, but... You know, it's instantly relatable relatable to anyone who's ever been a, a teenager. Yeah, I mean, a human. <laughs> how could you not? Yeah. And uh, yeah. We, we truly are all Michael in that bathroom. Yeah. I, I had a lightning bolt moment like a couple months after Be More Jill. I was at a party in a bathroom, had a little freak out for a minute and was like, oh, my God. Like yeah. literally me, literally everyone. Like it's that a song good anthem. is so universal. I mean, the, yeah. the, plus the line drives a PT cruiser. God, he's such a loser. <laughs> like we were in Ursula and I, st I stopped like playing when I heard that because I had a friend who used to drive a PT cruiser. And uh, you're like, you know Jimmy too. Yeah. <laughs> That's so random. Well, when yeah. you do a Joe Iconis, you know, the Christmas extravaganza, or downstairs at the West Bank, or Fifty Four mm -hmm. Below, or or all the places that these things happen. Uh, is he his own music director at those events? Yeah, he tends to be. I mean, the, one of the things I love about working with Joe is that he is one of the greatest collaborators musically. Like, he's never going to say, no, don't do that. You know, he, he brings in what he brings in. It's usually very simple uh, charts 
as I said, which is like, you know, it's not sheet music. It's not saying, you know, here's every note you have to play. He'll bring in, with a new song especially, like a lyric sheet with some chords that we scribble in. And then we kind of make our own parts and be really fully a part of the process of making the music happen and making it sound like what it sounds like. And, you know, I like to think a lot of what we were doing in, in those, you know, concerts made their way into the final version of the script. You know, Charlie did an amazing job orchestrating the show. It's sure. so cool. But Rosen. Charlie Rosen, of course. Sorry. Um, he's brilliant. And, you know, but the stuff that you get to add in really becomes special and it kind of lets you take ownership as, a, as an artist over what you're playing and the music you're making. So I, I, I'm just dying to know, like, and I think everyone is going to be like, is there any example that you could give us right now that you feel like this little moment musically in Be Marcello, like, oh, sure. you, you, that, that came from you? I mean, the, uh, the, and let's look at Michael, Michael in the bathroom, the little, the first little guitar break, you hear the, da, 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 that, that was me, you know, and like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to take credit for something like that, but like it's something that came out uh-huh. you know, while we were doing it, and it's stuck. And I, right, you know, it's you, almost like you, that. That's a little tattoo on B Marcel, exactly. and you're the tattoo artist, exactly. And you know, there's tons of stuff that our orchestrator Charlie Rosen, who is brilliant, as I said before, <laughs> wrote. You know, specific stuff that he wanted me to play. But there's also little stuff where you know I get to do my own thing and throw it in, and stuff also changed uh, a lot. You know, over the course of the whole run or night to night, there's little improv spots that makes it really fun to play. And uh, then there's other stuff that my subs would do when they would come in. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of my playing. It's, it's interesting, actually. I uh, Someone just messaged me on Facebook, a stranger that I didn't know, who came to see Lightning Thief and said, Hey, Mike, I don't know you, but I just want to let you know that I saw Be More Chill a few months ago, and then I came to see Lightning Thief. And I was thinking, that sounds like the guitar player from Be More Chill. And he looked it up, and it was me. So wow. that was pretty cool that That's I get to throw in little, awesome. little moments like that. And I didn't even realize that, that I was doing that, you know? It's That's cool. Organic stuff. Um, and you were a part of the Two River production. Yeah, yeah. I, I have been with Be More Chill through, I think, every incarnation so, so far. So workshops before and readings. They and... didn't have guitar, as far as I know, in the workshops. But the okay. first time that the full band was added was was Two River. Uh, and a lot of things with Immortal have come in really interesting and important times in my life. Like that, that production came right when I had kind of decided that I wasn't going to leave New York again, <laughs> that I was working out of town a lot, doing a lot of tours and, and other stuff with bands and stuff as, as an actor too, and, and doing musical theater in the regions and I had just started dating someone kind of seriously who is now my wife. Um, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It, it worked out. <laughs> she, she also loves the podcast. She's going to be mortified that we're talking about her. She's going to be so happy to Surprise, hear that honey. spoke once again about her wanting the guitars gone and they are not gone. <laughs> she, she just doesn't like the banjo. That's the worst part. Um, anyway, so I was, uh, I, I was sitting in my car picking her up for a date um, Where I, was this? I, that you had a car? I know it was like a Seinfeld moment. I was in New York City. Who picks up somebody for a date what? in a car? I was sitting there thinking that I was like, "Who am I picking up someone in a car in New York City?" Um, we, I think we were going somewhere. I don't know, but I was sitting there waiting for her, and I checked yeah, my you email. Were. Yes, <laughs> and uh, and an email popped up from Charlie Rosen. And the night before, we had actually just had this conversation. Like, I'm done leaving the city. I'm here for these opportunities that are going to come up professionally, and also, you know, to spend time with her. But um, 
you know, I got this email from Charlie literally the day after we had this conversation. I was like, no more leaving the city. I'm here for it. I'm, I'm not do this. finished. And yeah. And, <laughs> and this email is like, hey, Mike, it's from Charlie. I just got this, this show that we're going to do out in New Jersey. And uh, it's, it's, you know, be more chill. And I, I knew what it was, obviously. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to do this. How am I going to justify this? And, you know, New Jersey's not that far, no, right? So that's it was not fine. Kansas. It's no. totally fine. Yeah. And I had a car. So come on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's commutable. Yeah. Almost. Right. So that worked out. It was funny. It was, it was the first time that she got to see me, you know, really do a full musical, too. I think that was, like, from the beginning. You know, she had seen me do other gigs and stuff. But... So she um, kind of decided to marry you in the end because of Be More Chill. Oh, fully because of Be More Chill. Got it. She she is I know we have the Be More Chill fans are the greatest fans of any musical and I, I think I can safely say she was the first super fan. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Dethroning me and Alana. Wow. When, when did you uh, when did you discover Be More Chill? Definitely after. Wow. But I mean it's it's not it's not fair. It's not a fair comparison. She was there. Literally there when I got the email. She was there. Uh she loved it though. She she um you know listens to the cast album when she runs and stuff. I, like, I just want to keep my title, which is Fan Zero, which just sounds cool. Yeah. E- even if there were super fans before me. Well, you probably infected more fans. Uh-huh. So That's true. with the Fan Zero. Yeah, and the virality of it <laughs> yeah. all. I don't think my wife did too much to spread the news of Be More Chill, but she sure loves it. <laughs> and uh, I so love that awesome. about her. And still, still loves it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, she, I used to went... have to put Jen Tepper ahead of me. Now I have to put Mrs. Rosengarden ahead of me <laughs> as well. Um, that's okay. Uh, we can all be fan zeros. I was a fan zero. Yeah. Or a, an original super fan. But that's what makes this community, and we've talked about this a lot, so extraordinary, is that everyone bonds over their fandom for this thing. But the entry point or the reason that it touched them so deeply is different yeah, for everyone. Totally. Like it really resonates on so many levels. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak for my wife, but I, I she's not a huge musical theater fan. Like, mm. she likes musicals and she loves Rent up until that point. That was her favorite show. Um, Are but... you his wife? What's yeah. happening? <laughs> Things it are got me. weird. That's weird. That's weird. This is garden. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, she she loved the show so much. She, I remember she wrote Joe a letter one year at Christmas about it and how, wow, how important cool. the show was to her. It's really, really cool. That. Yeah. Is there a, one specific moment or memory from the, the True River run that really stands out to you as like this very defining moment or this very memorable moment that you that sticks oh out? Oh my god, there were so it was such a fun experience. You know, I, the band in a musical doesn't always get to be such a part of the whole experience as it were, but we were there and hanging out with the actors. Everyone was like a community. We all would hang out, you know, every night and not just like the band hanging out together or, you know, one or two people like so many of us were friends and, and made memories there. You know, we all got sick together. Everyone got strep throat. There was this like plague of strep throat. That. Yes. Yeah, that that went through. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Danny Danny Janacucci, our trumpet player, got really sick and did one show. Danny, sorry to tell this story. Uh, we, we had one show where he, he literally was sitting there with a bucket on stage, and instead of running off stage to take care of anything that had to happen, he did it on stage and was such an amazing, like, trooper and got through it. Nobody in the audience could have known, you know, but he was ill. He was really wow. sick. Amazing. Can I just sidebar? That's amazing yeah. because when I'm around somebody – throwing up, mm-hmm. I immediately feel like I'm going to throw up. <laughs> yeah. So did that 
everyone else kind of just kept doing their thing. And oh, yeah, we got Sending love his way. That happened a few times, actually, even on Broadway. Like, somebody, really? there was a day where I think everybody got sick at one point or another along the run and, like, had to run off stage or do something. That, that just happens, you know? Well, what's interesting for where I sat was the band, their only escape was through this secret trap door into the room where I was sitting during the show. Yes, and if I saw a band member come in there, I knew something was. You were up. like, "Put my mask on! I am not getting <laughs> put sick. my mask on, or something yeah. crazy has happened." Every now and again, it was just like an extreme gotta pee situation, yeah. and <clears throat> we're worth not waiting until the intermission or the end. But but obviously, I mean, or maybe not obviously, we all know that actors have understudies, yeah, and we've heard some great understudy stories here. Have there been any shows, or were there any nights in Be More Chill where a different musician had to come in in the middle of a show, or? You know, I don't think we did it in the middle of a show, but there were definitely plenty of subs that came in in emergencies. I had a, I had an emergency uh, one one day. I, uh, I was, I threw my back out just lifting my, my baby. Uh, and she weighed, you know, 13 pounds at the time. It was this crazy freak thing. And I just couldn't even walk for like a few days. It was terrible. But luckily, I have these five great musicians who are my subs who were able to fill the time and, and come in and, and play for the week for me, you know, and cover, which was incredible. So they just come in, sit down, maybe never having seen the show before. Not that- usually. So so the, the process for subbing is interesting because we, we don't get like rehearsals, right? Most of the time. Uh, some shows they do, but but be more generally chill not. Generally not. No, generally the sub, you, you, you get signed up to sub, right? You said the, the guy who has the chair or the girl who has the chair asks you to come in and, and watch the book, and they'll come and sit next to you. If you ever, I don't know if you ever saw more than seven people on the bandstand. I but, did. Yeah, there you go. So I was always somebody, wondering who all these people were. these are. people sitting there watching? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they sit there with the book, and they watch, and, and they, look, they observe what you're doing and how you're playing and, like, the different, you know, choreography of your show. And uh, and then they decide, you know, should we go ahead with this? And most of them want to do it, hopefully. So uh, they take the book home. They learn the music. They'll get a recording of my mix. So uh, what that means is uh, when we play this show, we have headphones on most of the time. And we can set our mix so we can hear exactly what we want to hear. So I can hear more of me. I can hear more of the piano. Right, right. And there's a camera on the conductor with a little screen on, on stage. And I can see exactly what the conductor is doing. Um, so there's a conductor cam video, there's uh, recordings from the show, uh, there's the actual sheet music, and then there's the ability to come and sit and watch the show. So if you're going to sub, you get all those things, and you take it home, and you, you say, okay, I'm ready, and then you pick a date, and uh, you go on and play, and uh, hopefully all goes well. So they come in not always in an emergency situation. They get no. to do it, like yeah. in a normal, relaxed... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. that's... that's Scheduled the, vacations. And yeah, totally. That. Vacations are... the. There's a rule where uh, we're actually allowed... The Musicians Union lets musicians miss up to 50% of their shows. Um, you don't get paid if you don't go, but... But you're not... Nothing bad happens. Right. No, you're fine. You can miss up to 50% of your shows. And it's actually kind of poor etiquette to not give your subs shows because they... Sp- you know, they work so hard on it. They right. do all this stuff. And it's subbing is a hard, hard gig. It's almost harder than, I think, having your own chair because you have to not only come in and nail it, but you have to sound exactly like the person you're covering for. Right. The best sub is someone who can come in and if everyone else has their head down, they don't know the regular person isn't there. Right. Um, so it's almost like a thankless existence, you know, because you have to not, you can't be yourself. You right. have to be them. You have to literally. You're a clone in you're a, a way. Clone. It's, yeah, it's not even like an understudy who can kind of do their own thing with yeah. the role. The sub is, is the one who comes in and does the exact 
thing, if possible, as close to it as possible. So for people who didn't get to see Be More Chill, yeah. often you go to a Broadway show and the musicians are in the pit, mm-hmm. right? Be- between the front row of the orchestra and the stage, if you look down, you can see the conductor's head popping out. Yeah. Where were you guys? We were on stage. We were right in the back of the stage through the, of all the productions. From Two River, we were on stage. Uh the signature we were on stage behind a scrim that came up at certain points and same thing at the Lyceum. So can you see everyone on stage most of the time from your position? No. So there was a, a the screen that came down that was actually the projection screen, yeah. like like in scenes like a two player game, there was that whole video game thing happening and that was right in my face. Okay. <laughs> it actually made it hard to see the music sometimes. Um but little known fact about that. Yeah. But some some members of the band, like Marcus, our drummer, Marcus Wells, had a, a little screen that, that he could see what was going on because sometimes there were drum hits that were timed to action on stage. And Emily Marshall, our conductor, also has a screen. So I was able to peek and see. But, but I, not interact with the actors during the show. Uh, that's, yes. Not, no, that's not true. <laughs> we, we, Tell us about that. <laughs> uh, so the actors who are not always on stage would come back and you know talk to us or like have a little funny moments and, and do stuff. There was this one part where George Salazar ran across the back of the stage like a crazy person, just like back and forth every night. And it was the funniest thing. And we would all be Was it to up. make you laugh? Yeah, basically. Oh, definitely. Of course it was to make us laugh. And he would come back there as Carl too with the, with the fan. Carl, sorry. Carl uh, was the name... I don't think this is a secret. Carl was the name, yeah. Secret. Carl is the name of George's mall character, and Carl would come back there. And Carl be, was quite beautiful. Oh, gorgeous, gorgeous! <laughs> the, like, you know, he'd be carrying a fan, and he would clack his fan along to the to the you know the funky part of the music that was going on. It was like the "Do You Want to Ride" section, so it was almost like part of the band. Yeah. And then you know there was other moments like where. George. We got to call Charlie Rosen to orchestrate that in for yeah. fan <laughs> he clacking. Did. He allowed it. We'll mm-hmm, say, mm-hmm. Uh, but. Uh, there was some parts where Gerard would come back and like play one of Marcus's symbols like at the end of the show. You know, that's not the kind of stuff that happens right away, but as the run goes on, people kind of get comfortable and see what's going on, where they can mess around and come back and, and communicate. And also, we're all friends. Like like I said, we knew each other from you know the Two River production or from just working together for years. Gerard I've been friends with for years. I've played in other bands with him right. and with, with that kind of stuff. And so like we're always messing around. And, and right before intermission, uh, or right at the end of intermission, rather, uh, going into Halloween, there was, everyone was on stage in crazy costumes and just talking about what's going on. That's what I was about to bring up. And, That's what I heard a lot. Like, oh right God. as intermissions ending, it is a it was a party on stage. It was and so I couldn't fun. see it. I could only hear because it, it was you know the wall. The, once the door so, is shut. Well, there's a, there's actually take a, us through it. Yeah. So there's a uh, a conductor cam right. Like I said, the, there's a, a picture of Emily Marshall and she had uh, a screen out uh, on the front of the balcony for the actors to see, or might have been on the mezzanine rather. Um, so the actors can see without having to turn right, like and a see monitor it. that right, they it's a can monitor look at. they can right. look at. Um, so if anyone was watching that screen during intermission, they would have seen some crazy stuff. Like, like <laughs> oh, just things that Gerard did with the bread prop or uh, um, very mature, very mature performance art. Performance, you know, it's it's things that really became part of uh, his character. I, the fabric, I think. the fabric of the, of deep the show. character yeah, yeah, work. Yeah, totally understood. Totally. Um, now I wish. We knew, like now. I wish the show was still happening while we do this, so that people could, maybe when they 
get to London, the same antics will be happening, and now we've keyed them into looking mm-hmm. at the monitor. <laughs> no, 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 um, we'll see. Be very also, professional behavior. It, it can be too long from now when that Lincoln Center archive is maybe available for people. Yes, to they're not going to be able gonna to see the, the conductor screen. Camp. The oh, conductor's right, right, right. screen. But uh, right. I've got a couple of video copies of it I'll send to you. Thank um, you. Oh, wow. Our Instagram story just got lit. Oh, cool. <laughs> awesome. I, well, I mean, the other thing, I don't know if it's going to happen in London is it depends on the personalities of, of who's there everyone in this band and, and the cast are obviously hilarious but the band are some of the funniest people I've ever worked with they're just we had this <laughs> this band thread so one of the things that happened at the signature was uh, we got this awesome band room which you don't always get especially right. off Broadway like you know sometimes you're just in a hallway changing right with your locker but um, we had a, an actual dressing room and when we got there there were no chairs uh, like just for whatever reason, the chairs didn't end up in our in our dressing room, and we had this band thread. I'm gonna I want to read you some of them actually. Oh, we we um, love transcripts. Oh my god, let me see <laughs> if I can find it. Yeah, so these guys were very, let's say, punny. I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so we found out that, that there were no chairs, and we were asking for chairs, and we got uh, we were texting this huge group group text thread, and uh, Emily was like, "Y'all were called divas by the director because we were complaining about not having chairs." And Marcus said, did you tell him to stand for the rest of the meeting? And then it, it devolved into this crazy thread of puns. Danny was like, I can't stand it anymore. Josh says, we won't take this sitting down. Uh, I said, this is bull seat. Uh, Josh said, chairing is caring. Dennis said, if we want this show to run, we better get butts in seats. I said, this is not an issue that should be just thrown away. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Dennis says, I'm reclined to think you're right, Mike. <laughs> Oh gosh, we it got really bad. The, fun, <laughs> the funnest band really, on Broadway. Or there's also a few dads in the a few dads in the band, so you know. Do, do you know Alana what my uh, big fun relationship with the band is? Um, no. Two show days, we would play Settlers of Catan. Oh yeah. In the band room, uh, Settlers of Catan is like a board game. It's sort of like Monopoly. It's actually the most popular board game in the world. It's way more popular than Monopoly, but not in America. Settlers of Catan. Yep. We are always open to sponsorship, mm-hmm. <laughs> just so you know. And I don't know. Did you ever play Sellers of Catan? I, I'm not a Catan player. I, I always intended to, but then I ended up doing something. There's Marcus <laughs> and There's Charlie. There's a lot of gamers in the, in the yeah. band. Yeah, Marcus, Danny. Charlie, Josh, I think, played a couple Josh, times. Yeah. Bailey, there Bailey learned. Is Dungeons and Dragons going on? No Dungeons and Dragons. But no. Sellers of Catan is pretty nerdy. It's pretty nerdy. We're yeah. all nerds. But there's yeah. no cosplay involved oh, no. or characters. It's like Monopoly. Or... It's very okay. Monopoly-ish. <laughs> okay. And that was, that's one of my favorite memories from the Broadway run of Be More Chill is like bonding with the band in between shows on two show days. That's also not something that happens in, in Broadway bands all the time. I mean, the fact that we were such a tight unit and we all wanted to hang out you know they, they there were a bunch of nights where we got almost locked in the theater because the doorman would be there and we would still be there hanging out and you know having a drink or playing games or just laughing about whatever happened during the show it was so it much was fun camp. you were it in was, summer camp it was very much like summer camp yeah on broadway <laughs> now uh back to mrs uh, rosengarten he was working late he was not <laughs> playing games drinking she was already asleep when you she have was, a no. small child at home she was asleep not at all. Yeah. well how do you manage you know a musician's life and and parenting aren't always the most conducive in terms of hours matching absolutely so how exhausted are you all the time Oh, gosh. You know, I have a really easy baby. She's like the greatest baby of all time. Aww. Very lucky. Uh, and How old is she? She's a year and a half now. Um, but it's it, so another important life event that ad- lined up with Be More Chill. Uh, her, she was born three months before our 
run started. So it's like the I two almost, river run, signature oh, sorry, run, or the Broadway signature run. run. The signature okay. run. Sorry. Um, so right in between, so perfectly she, timed. Yeah, she was born. Uh, three months before our signature run started. So I had like this great little paternity leave that I could just hang out and not have to worry about, you know, gigs or anything if I didn't want to and and just be home with the baby. Um, Luckily, my my wife, Mrs. Rosengarten, which is not her name, actually. (laughs) So we should stop saying that. We're protecting the innocent. um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's smart. She uh, has more of a regular civilian nine-to-five job. So she comes home most days and I hand her the baby and I go do the show. Uh, and, you know, so we don't get to see each other a ton, uh, which was really hard, but mm-hmm. we got through it. Um, we have the weekend mornings together and then like Sunday nights. This, my, my current schedule on The Lightning Thief is actually uh, makes it much more, much easier because um, I have, I don't have shows on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday night. So it's like three nights a week that I'm home. We get to have family right. time. But I, you know, I, f- I feel and like daytime. the daytime I'm with the, the baby all day. So I actually feel super lucky. You know, it's not the most conducive to having kids, but no no job is, right? I mean, most of my friends who have day jobs, they don't get to see their kids as often right. as they want to. Right. I literally get to spend all day with her, and it's yeah. the best, except when we have matinees. Um, you know, and it's I'm so lucky that I get to spend time with her and, and really be there, and we're super close. Was Be More Chill your first Broadway show? I've worked on other Broadway shows before. This is the first Broadway Non-sub. show that was, yeah, that was my actual chair. So. What are other shows that you subbed on? I'm just curious. So I've actually been asked to sub on 11 different shows, and most of them closed before I got in. So like I, Charlie, so you did the work, but then never got yep, to do it. Yep, yep, yep. Which is unfortunate, but it's the way it is. You know, yeah. Charlie Rosen asked me to sub for him on the visit. And I did the work, and then unfortunately the show closed before I got a chance to play, which is totally fine. Do you get paid to learn a show? No, you only most get of the time you don't. Play. Some some shows, like if you have to do a rehearsal, they'll they'll, they'll pay you for it. Um, right. Um, I think like come from away because they're on stage and, and there's like choreography they have to do. They have to do rehearsals and stuff. The union's yeah. great about getting us paid, so don't worry about that. But yeah, the subbing is is uh, that's part that's part of it. Um, but yeah, I I subbed on um, a bunch of off Broadway shows. The first show I ever subbed on was Wicked. Um, Who was the cast at the time? Do you remember? Yeah. uh, When I first started doing it, I think it was Teal Wicks was Alphaba, and then Mandy Mandy was doing it after that. Um, But, yeah, so that's one of the things I learned about playing on Broadway is you'll never see more disappointed faces than when you walk out of a stage door and you're not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Till Wicks. You're not, right? you're not Kristen Chenoweth right. at all. How dare you? How dare you be there wearing black? So how does your um, heart handle that? Well, on Be More Chill, I didn't have to because Be More Chill fans were so amazing to us and they loved us. They which got was, it. It's unheard of. They got it. Right. And, and like, we, we, I've never walked out of a stage door before. One time I did a show. I did a show called The Robert Bradgroom for Roundabout, right? And I had a line in the show. I was on stage. And uh, I walked out, and there was a group of kids there from a school. And when I walked out, they yelled my line at me, which like almost oh, made me cry. It was really so cute. Cool. But that's the only time in my history playing any shows anywhere in theater, at least, where anyone cared about us, except for Be More Chill fans. Because they're extraordinary. They are amazing yeah. and so sweet. Like signing, having us sign autographs. You know, like As so much fan who's, art too who's down the band there. To stage door. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, that should absolutely. It's a musical. Guys, I, with without you. the band. Yep. Hello. Yeah. Hello. The Be More Chill band Instagram has what, like 10, 15,000 followers? Yeah, we got up to like 14,000 at some point. It's amazing. Just, and, and I'm telling you, the fan art that was delivered specifically for band members and for the band, and they were, they were able to decorate the entire room. Like yeah. there was too much fan art in there, they couldn't even keep it in there. All different kinds of media. Like it was unbelievable. But they couldn't even see you. 
during so, the some show. Really yeah, some, some parts of it we were visible. The very top we were visible. Uh, you could see Danny um, waving his arm around with a theremin, right? Actually, people would come up to me. It was funny because Emily was our conductor, right? And she was right next to Danny. But the show starts with a spotlight on Danny playing the theremin, which is this weird uh, electronic instrument that you play without touching it. Um, you you kind of just wave your hand close to this stick and and it's uh, sound waves it's, and yeah, yeah. vibrations yeah and... I think so or, or magnets or something I don't yeah. know I don't know how it works crazy but it's crazy and to watch Danny play it is this really cool thing that they made very prominently featured in the show because also there haven't been a lot of Broadway shows that have used a ther- an actual theremin probably um, not well yet. I can give you the official stats Jen Tepper mm-hmm. gave me this mm-hmm. we were Broadway's first book musical. With a theremin. So the qualifications there are there was a musical review, which is, you know, just like a variety show, song and dance, I think in the 1930s that had a theremin in it. There was a play in in the 1950s that used the theremin as part of like the music part of the, the play, but it wasn't a musical. So we're not the first musical, we're not the first show on Broadway to have a theremin, or Broadway's first book musical to use a theremin. That's a very important distinction, and I'll take it. Yeah, but people would see Danny up there waving his arm around like a crazy person, and they thought he was the conductor, and they'd come back and be like, what was that guy doing conducting? And I was like, oh, he wasn't conducting, he was playing a weird instrument. (laughs) Oh, that's funny, I never realized people thought that that was the conducting. Did you ever make a mistake? Me? Never. Yeah, never. No. And you never will, and you never have. Of course, no. It's it's uh, It always happens, uh, and it's always fun when it does, hopefully. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the thing about that guitar chair on Be More Chill was that it, a lot of it, um, you know, it's a rock show, and guitar is super heavily featured. And when we started, there was no guitar, too, so I was the only guitarist. Um, and there's guitar the whole time. Like, I had like five bars of rest in the whole show. So, and a lot of it was very exposed, which means if you heard me making mistakes, you heard you, you making heard a me mistake. making mistakes. So yeah. it was really scary. You know, a lot of people ask like, "Don't you get bored doing the same thing every night?" And I, no, I you were I, concentrating. Yeah, it'd be deeply. more chill, especially. But I mean, any show, you really have to focus. I mean, it's a huge responsibility. Like you have. A thousand people who paid hundreds of dollars to see this thing, and they don't want to hear you mess up. Like, they're not there to hear me make careless errors. So, you know, it's a huge privilege and responsibility to be able to, to play this book. And you're, it's, it's not the same every night. You know, there are little moments of improvisation, hopefully, where you can do your own thing or do something fun or different. Or, you know, sometimes we throw in, you know, a little thing called, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a thing called The Lick, but... Go, you know, look on YouTube and look up the lick. It's this one musical phrase that's been played in like every kind of music and like that's been recorded in history. And there's all these examples of it. Um, and it, for some reason, is just ubiquitous. Uh, and it's kind of become a meme in the musical community. Like it's a funny thing. So, you know, we'd throw that in or like throw in another quote from another song or, or something else. And only the in band the would hear it. But only the band would right. really pick it up. It's not something that the audience would ever. Joe would know. No. Joe Icon is he my might, Yeah, he probably would. But he might think it was funny too. Anyway, that doesn't happen so often, but it, it happens, you know. I have a question for you, which is, can you tell me one of your favorite moments, one of your favorite parts of the Be More Chill score? Oh, yeah. Squip Song was my favorite song. I love, especially my part. Charlie wrote this part, the the right at the top of Squip song. I, I love playing that song, and the whole way through is a blast. And also, um, 
two-player game was just such a fun guitar part to play all the time. And Be More Chill, I have a, a guitar solo at the end of Be More Chill. If you listen to the original cast album, you can hear it, the last uh, part of it was like a part that I came up with right at the end when everyone's going, Be More Chill, and I'm playing this solo underneath it, and it, it's really present in the in the original recording, which I love. Um, and I, I just had a blast playing it, and I, you know, this is the kind of thing you can do it a little differently every time, but it, it's, it's not like um, playing on stage in in a band where you're standing there like because the music is there and it's written and you you only get one shot at it right so i the way i look at it it's almost like you're making a live studio recording every single night and you right. only get one take so it's got to be right yeah. you know and, and it feels almost like being in a studio because you're sitting you've got headphones on you know you're not necessarily visible um and it's, it's almost like being in an isolation booth and you can hear everybody else because you've got your mixer so you can hear everything that you want but it's almost like a studio kind of experience but it's live so it's, it's really not like such anything a cool else. way to put it that it's, it's, it's not one like... you get one shot it's one take for those 900 people that night yeah and that really makes it extra special eight times a week yeah well and the, the one part where i that i'll admit to messing up one time and i, I was keeping track of it because i was by the end of the run i was like i'm never gonna mess this part up because i feel like it was like so important so right at the beginning of the show it's when will is singing never gonna be the cool guy i'm more the one who's left out and it's just a guitar it's just me by myself playing, you know, these these chords. And, of course, they're chords I've played 10,000 times each. But, you know, I would try and put a little dramaturgy into the, the way you play it delicately or, you know, just just the sound of it. And to be working with him in, 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 following in unison him, with Will. Yeah. Right. And completely naked behind him. Like, if I mess up, then his show's going down. And I was not going to let that happen to Will Rowland. Right. You know, it's but you did the one time, one time, <laughs> one time, and and honestly, it was a mistake that nobody else noticed. Did he notice? He didn't say anything, and he probably would have if he, if he heard it. Yeah. But um, but like, yeah, nobody else. I was like, oh my god, you guys, I can't believe I did that. And they're like, oh, I didn't hear you. Oh. But to me, I was like, oh, like crushed, like yeah. my perfect record of You're that so one low. part. Um, what? There's a famous video that that. Everyone who loves this show has seen, which was when the signature cast and company learned that this was moving to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your relationship to that moment? Uh, so we got called in for, uh, the story's famous now, an automation rehearsal, right, which is not necessarily something that the band would be called for. So I was a little suspicious to begin with. And I, they, we got the news that we, were, that we had to come in like super late like normally they have to give you 24 hours notice so like if they're gonna have a rehearsal or something so this seemed like an emergency thing and i couldn't find a babysitter so i was like i might not be able to make it and i was like emily is it cool if i don't come because i my babysitter's unavailable and i was like scrambling texting everyone i knew and i finally got someone to come and uh and and watch the baby and and so i went down there and as soon as i got there i i kind of knew what was going on because everyone was being really cagey and like Daniel Gimble, our, our copyist, was there and I was like, they don't call the copyist in for, a, <laughs> for yeah. an automation rehearsal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, we're standing around there in a circle and we're all together and it was one of the best moments of, of my life. I mean, yeah. I, I, everyone was crying. I was crying. I'm, I'm going to cry just thinking about it, you know? And and Because I, why? Because I've been yelling at the world for since 2010 that Joe Iconis is amazing and people need to pay attention to him. And I felt like so <laughs> vindicated finally that people were, were listening to what we were doing. And, you know, and he's just the greatest. He's he's the greatest person and composer 
that I that I know. He's he's like the sweetest guy, you know, and he's like he's a great friend. He's a guy who, you know, fell out of a canoe at my wedding and lost his glasses in a lake, you know, and and he's family, and and so is Lauren and and Will and Jason and everybody, and that 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 was there, and we were all just there together, and um, you know, when I really lost it was. <laughs> It was at one point Will yelled, we all get to do Christmas because of the timing. So we would all get to do the Christmas show. And I just started sobbing and everyone just, you know, hugged each other. And it was it was amazing. And they they filmed it. I'm glad that that happened. and Everyone could kind of be there for it. Yeah. But I, uh, you know, it was also my first time getting to have my own tour on Broadway. Um, and a, a lot of the band, actually, it was our, our first Broadway show. Um, and it, if it wasn't our first Broadway show for everybody, it was definitely the one that ran the longest. Um, and, and it was, it was a special band. I want to also mention everybody here and like, cause the band were all such special, you know, unique players. And I think they, just because of who they were, their personalities and the way they play added so much to the Be More Chill experience and like what the album became and what the show was and, and the whole, the whole thing. Like, you know, Danny, as I said, he's a, an amazing trumpet player, Danny Janacucci, amazing trumpet player. And he learned to play the flugabone and the theremin, which are two instruments that he probably never would have guessed he would have to play. He's also like the most professional musician you've ever seen in your life. Like he runs several bands on his own, you know, booking gigs for them, sending them out to weddings. Like he wears the hell out of a suit. Like guy knows all about suits. Um, Josh Plotner was our keys to player and our uh, reads player. He played the, the recorder. Uh, Danny also played the recorder on, on a couple songs. Um, and Josh is, he knows, he's the guy who knows like a little bit about every single thing. There, we, I've done a few gigs with him where we had to drive out somewhere and you sit in a car with Josh Plotner for an hour and you get like the Josh Plotner podcast. Like he'll tell you something about something that you had no idea about or had never thought of. Uh, and jo- Josh and Danny and I uh, were also all part of the original Two River production. Um, Charlie is literally a genius. He's like a wonderkind. You know, you, you can't believe the stuff he writes to you. A lot of the time when, when you get musical theater parts as a guitarist, especially, it's written by someone who doesn't necessarily know how to play the guitar or how the guitar works. So you don't get these idiomatic guitaristic things that you want to play. And when Charlie writes me charts, they're either what I would play or better than what I would play if just given left to my own devices. But he also... Uh, part of his ethos is that he trusts all the players that he, you know, hires and that, that he calls in and he knows who they are and he knows the right player for the right show. So he doesn't over orchestrate and he lets people kind of put their, their feeling into stuff, their, their stink on it a little bit. Um, Marcus was our drummer, Marcus Wells, amazing guy. So funny. Again, like one of like, just like the heart of the band and like literal the heartbeat of the show, you know, extremely good at Catan. Oh my God. Such a good Catan player and an artist. He's like the most sensitive drummer, which is not something you hear about drummers a lot, like so tasteful and also sensitive as a guy. Like he's an artist. He is an amazing, amazing photographer. Check out his Instagram. Um, Dennis. Michael Keefe was our bass player. Dennis and I have also been playing together with Joe since almost, I think Dennis has been with him almost as long as I have. But Dennis and I met on my first off-Broadway show in New York City. We did an actor-musician show called uh, The Golden Boy of Blue Ridge with Prospect Theater. Uh, And it was like this crazy little bluegrass musical uh, based on Playboy of the Western World. And we had such a good time. We really bonded during that and have been on, it has to be hundreds of gigs together since. Um, also a dad, <laughs> you know, so we, we share the dad jokes. And he's on the Lightning Thief original cast recording, yeah, he right? Yeah, he did it off-Broadway, and he subbed the other night, so it was like a little Be More Chill reunion at the Lightning That's Thief. That's cool. It was so That's fun. so fun. Yeah. Um, 
then Emily Marshall, obviously our, our fearless leader, she is so great at so the music director something that I do when, I, when I'm a music director is try and you, you set the vibe for the band you set you know the whole feeling of, of the experience for all the musicians right like yes you're in charge and you're the boss but you know everyone's had a terrible boss everyone hopefully people have had a great boss but she was so cool and so relaxed in a way that still we were still able to do our, do our jobs and like stay tight and, and play good music but like really just kept the whole band together and spirits high and just did a great job. And she also did the vocal arrangements, which sound amazing. Um, and then Jeff Coe was our associate who, who came in and like killed it. He's the associate music director, which is actually what I am on uh, the lightning thief, which means when the conductor isn't there, you'll be the first sub to conduct the show. So you conduct and then someone comes and sits in your chair and plays guitar. Right. So one of my subs will play and I'll conduct. Is that fun? No. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's it's awesome. It's uh, it's very stressful. Uh, it can be until you get you know you do it a couple hundred times, um, because when you're conducting, you're driving the boat, and you know that was what Emily was doing every night. And and for a sub to come in, especially off Broadway, Jeff wasn't with us every night, so he was you know off doing whatever other gigs he was doing, and then he would come in, and you know, be playing with a band who knows the show inside and out, and has the feel of the show, and is completely like the same thing all the time, right? And then to, to put yourself in, plug yourself into that kind of situation and, like, keep the tempos right and everything is so difficult. And he did an amazing job doing that. And then on Broadway, he got to be there and he was the offstage, uh, you know, non-playing associate. So he would just be in the building at all times in case of an emergency or in case other things needed to get done. Like, we, we would have, like, lists of stuff for Jeff to do during the show. Like, he would sign up on our VIP list or, like, get people things if they needed it, you know, and just be generally helpful and amazing. He would also be livid if I didn't tell the world that he's also an incredible It Settlers of Catan player. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Smart dude. Too. I want to ask you a question, and then uh, is there another band member? There's that, one more go, band member go, I have to mention. Say it. David Sincrograna, the Guitar 2 sub, really. I mean, he was actually my guitar sub in New Jersey, which, like, I had to go to my friends, one of my best friends from college's wedding uh, over the course of the run in New Jersey. And he came in for like basically no money, you know, and, and played, learned the whole thing and played my show. Right. And killed it, did an amazing job. And then off Broadway, he was my number one first call sub because he already knew the show and he was so good and like just the nicest guy. And then Charlie, uh, as the supervisor and orchestrator and million things that Charlie does, couldn't always be there, probably more than the rest of us. So Dave ended up playing about half the shows um, and he was definitely part of the band. When I'm in a show, in a musical, mm-hmm. um, I... I will look at the conductor. I will look at the screen from time to time. But generally, I hear the music. I start singing. uh, And I'm less dependent on the conductor in the ways that you're talking about inside a song Mm -hmm. as a singer. Yeah. I really want to understand because the tempo, everything is marked on your sheet music. Yeah. Right? The key, the tempo, where you pause. How fast you play, all of the terminology is written out for you. Mm-hmm. Conductors have a lot of different styles. Some are like very flourishy and move their batons around a lot and make a big show of it. Some are like very small mm-hmm. in their movement. Yeah. How much does the conductor, when you talk about controlling the tempo and all that stuff, and I'm gonna ask you for like a truncated answer because that's a whole music that's a whole uh, yeah. other conversation. Does it, but you're making it sound like it really matters. Oh absolutely. The conductor's driving the boat. 
but you have it all written down. You do, but it can change. And also, don't forget, it's live theater. So an actor can drop a line or something can change. So or... how did they message you? If, if Will Rowland, like, has a funny moment rhythmically in a song that he sings every night, how does the conductor allow you to know what to do differently when that happens? So sometimes... Uh, it happens because they have a little uh, a microphone where they can talk to the band, and we okay. all have them in the ears. Uh, be more chill. <laughs> they're like, man down. No, no, they're literally like, measure 52, measure 55, measure 53, measure 40. Like, try and figure it out, right? But the... Meaning you have to, like, jump around and get to yeah. wherever it is. Okay. Right. When the band does it enough, though, you get so tight and you get to feel the music. You all know the score. Everyone can kind of find each other sometimes without any outside help, yeah. which is miraculous and amazing things that, you know, that it's it just how happens. people's brains just mesh and, like, it's right. a miracle. Like, music's a miracle. Come yeah. On. Like, it's it's sound. It's air moving around and making people feel things. It's crazy. It's crazy. So the fact that we can all do it together is just Amazing. great. That's my favorite thing about playing music. Yeah. Um, but in more chill, we were, a lot of the show was actually on a click. So we have a click track, like a little metronome going in your ears for a lot of the time, and you can select how much of that you want to hear. But what are you hearing? What is the, the click track is a pre-record of the whole show? No, not the whole show. It's, so it's, it's a metronome that um, gets synced up. There's a, a program called Ableton. Uh, that uh, again, we're always looking for sponsors. Yes, Ableton. Yes, Ableton. Um, so it's a recording software, and uh, the there was another program I think called QLab that they uh, synced up the click with Ableton, and uh, Emily would be controlling Ableton with a button, right? So and and a computer. So Emily had like a little computer there, and if the song got off, she would have to reset Ableton or skip to the next part of Ableton. And there were tracks that were set up to go along, and they weren't like it's not like music playing with the click. It's like just the click set to a certain tempo and it's mapped out for the whole show. So there's this whole like network of, of clicks lined up, right? Or she could just set the tempo if she had to, you know, by typing in a number, right? Okay. Um, but she's got a computer there the whole time. Lightning Thief, we don't have any of that. Yeah. I went to my first Christmas extravaganza mm-hmm. that you mentioned earlier between Signature Theater and the Broadway run of Be More Chill. Had yeah. never been, had never been in town. And finally, it was my chance, and I sat at the table closest to the stage left entrance, Mm -hmm. um, and I watched you play for most of the show. And to say that to be near you, I mean, everyone is, like, on fire. Like, you could just watch the actors hanging out at the bar in between their songs that they have to do. Like, the party is everywhere in that room. But truly, when you described what that show means to you, I got to be within five inches of you while you were playing. Sorry it was so loud. (laughs) Are you kidding? Um, And to be in your presence and the joy and passion, the artistry goes without saying. You're unbelievably talented. You're such a gorgeous musician, and your sound is so singular, and it's no surprise that all of these people want to keep working with you, not just because, as we learned today, like you're the warmest, kindest, smartest person, but also the way you play is just really special. But beyond that, your joy was so infectious one Jew to another. High five All to right. that. Um, so thank you. I've wanted to thank you for that. To, yeah, to be That's right, baby. <laughs> Mazel tov. To be that close to it was really special. Wow, that's so kind. Yeah. Thank you very much. And that was my first one. You know, uh, and I'll be back. That's that's all the family that Joe built. It's everyone is is so happy to be there and like loves each other so much and loves what we're doing and we're so behind what he's trying to accomplish with with every show. Well, I I'm going to, to Love and Hate Nation Sunday. 
I'm going, uh, I'm going on Friday. I can't you wait. Are. Oh my god! I'm and so just to see the iconis brilliance continue yeah. uh, in a whole other genre and yeah. a whole other. Well, it's um, very clear community. that the Joe Iconis and family is special, and B. Marshall is special, and especially Mike Rosengarten is super special. Oh, thanks. Yes. So you're special. Um, thank you. Can you um, close this out with our our favorite ending here, which is finish this sentence. Be more chill is the greatest theater community that I have ever seen. Love it. Mike, thanks for hanging out with us today. We think that you are at the epicenter of cool young hip musical Broadway's Broadway musicals in 2019. Thanks for sharing time with us today. Oh my god, thanks so much for having me. This has been a pleasure. Come on, come on, go, go, come on. Hey, you can find us on Instagram at How to Be More Chill. And one quick thing before we go could you go to Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen on and just take a moment to rate and review us? We would really appreciate it. And do not forget this is Alana. This is Sam. Tell us how to be more chill. Never hung with a girl like you before. I don't know if you know it, but I am sure that for me you are an upgrade. Upgrade, upgrade, speed job is upgrade. Hey there, I'm Kimberly Schmidt. Are you in love with the podcast you're listening to? Kevin Jager here. Did you know it's part of the Practically Perfect Broadway Podcast Network? And I'm Brian Plofsky. The Broadway Podcast Network features over 30 podcasts to feed the theater passion in all of us. Feed me, Seymour. Wait, over 30? I feel like I'm running out of time. It doesn't have to be agony because we have a very good place to start. Try out the Broad Wasted podcast with the three of us. And yes, it is what it sounds like. Join us every Tuesday for a hilarious happy hour with the best and brightest on Broadway. We drink, play games, share laughs, and did I mention drink with your favorite Broadway stars? From Jeremy Jordan, Patty Murin, Jessica Vosk, and Carolee Carmelo. To James Monroe Eigelhart, Sierra Bogus, George Salazar, and Alice Ripley. We have too much fun with too many friends of the show to mention. And on VPN, there's a whole new world of theater podcasts podcasting at your fingertips. Alongside the Broad Wasted podcast, you can discover other great established shows and exclusive podcasts that were made just for the BPN network. So defy gravity and fly on over to broadwaypodcastnetwork.com. Or go direct to our page at bpn.fm backslash broadwasted. And follow, follow, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at Broadwasted, and the network is Broadway Podcast Network. We just can't wait to be a part of your weekly theater podcast lineup. Thank, Thank you and cheers! Zoot-doo-wop-bum! Thank you for listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Make sure to visit us online at broadwaypodcastnetwork.com, on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network, or on Twitter at BWAPod Network.